0: Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode of the Pigskin Pulpit. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman. Today, we're covering preseason week three. All the big stories, our notable players on the trading block, and our debate topic of the week. Just to give a heads up, here are your top stories this week. Andrew Luck's retirement. Are the Colts in trouble? We'll debate. Bad times in Houston? Lamar Miller tours ECL in preseason week 3 for the Houston Texans. Who will be his replacement? How are they going to fix that dimension of the game at running back? And how about the notable tra- players on the trading block... We'll discuss that further. This week is an interesting one. No one's really talked about this, but I've been hearing rumors about it through Ian Rappaport and other executives over at NFL Network. So, in addition, as I promised, I will go over the comments that were given on the debate last week about Andy Dalton, and I'll give some answers before I even touch this week's debate topic. As for everything else... We also have the winners and the losers, which with some surprise winners this week who I have not mentioned yet. And the losers, once again, being an entire team. So, without further ado, let's get started. Andrew Luck. He was a fantastic quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts over the last seven years he's been with the team. Fighting injury over injury over poor protection of an offensive line. Until last year. But, nonetheless, Andrew Luck has been incredible. And nothing short of a miracle. Our favorite moment will always be when, against Kansas City, in the playoffs, when they were down by 24 points and they came all the way back to beat the Chiefs and move on to the next round of the playoffs. It was a stunner. It was one of Andy Reid's first years as a head coach in Kansas City. And I still remember that fresh in my brain. And, it'll, and it will never leave. That's one of my favorite playoff moments of all time. But it's no longer about Andrew Luck's retirement anymore. We're over that. And I commend him for stepping away for the game. It was an important decision. When you lose the love for your game, you want to do everything you can to get it back. And get back to that level. And Andrew Luck made a smart decision. He was physically worn down and his mental was destroyed. He used to love the game of football, but think about it. Injury, rehab, back on the field, just to get injured and put back in rehab. He had gone through that whole cycle a good amount of times and it wasn't something he enjoyed. No athlete enjoys that. So for him to decide to leave is great. And what the Colts did with his settlement with cash is incredible too. I'm very happy that they're letting him keep every penny. But outside of that, what will the Colts do now? In most projections already, they have them falling from one of the top teams in the entire NFL down to middle to bottom of the pack. Now, I think that's an unfair judgment for the Colts here. So, first of all, whoever put them down at the bottom needs to check themselves into a a mental ward. Just saying. Because it's not just the quarterback that affects what you see in a team. When you're looking into the Colts, it's a lot more than that. They have a great receiving core led by T.Y. Hilton and rookie Paris Campbell. They have a solid offensive line led by Quentin Nelson. An emerging defense led in their linebacker core by Darius Leonard in his now-sophomore campaign for the Indianapolis Colts. It is nothing sh- short of amazing to see what the GM and Frank Reich have done down in Indianapolis. And I'm very happy. And I think they're going to be a great team to come, even if they don't have Andrew Locke. Now, people are already saying this is going to be a tank year. I don't see it. Once again, it's not worth having a tank year. You got a lot of contracts on the line here. It's a year where you can try to win. Do what you can. Get as much wins possible. Don't fall off track. It's not no longer about Filling Andrew Luck's shoes, it's about more than that. It's about keeping an entire franchise afloat. You got to put the entire team on your shoulder. You got to work with the teams. You got to earn their trust and respect. And according to what I've heard in the organization, Jacoby Brazette is it. Now, granted, his entire time as a starter, he was four and eleven as a starter. He didn't do bad with the Colts. He didn't do bad in his time when he was starting when he threw for over three thousand yards and about thirty touchdowns. He didn't have many, he had some interceptions, but it wasn't too many. He's more matured, he's matured since then. And that's a good thing. When you talk about Chad Kelly, who I am very much happy to see on the field, I do have to mention he does have a two game suspension for a trespassing incident he suffered, he had last year with uh, the Denver Broncos causing his release. So, with that in mind, Chad Kelly could end up starting if has falls off in the first two games. And they're not easy games either. For the Colts, this is important. And I think Kelly needs to get the start afterwards, or at least get a shot. Because what I've seen this man do, Chad Swag Kelly, is nothing short of amazing. His preseason campaign is so much better than what it was in his rookie year last year. And I would be very pleased to see Kelly get a chance to start. I think if he starts, they're going to see something different. This kid needs a chance. And I think this is his chance. With Andrew Luck out of the way and dealing with his stuff with his family, it's a chance for a young man to take over a team and win the hearts of an entire nation, an entire team, the entire franchise. This is his chance to win them over, and become that guy that they want him to be. They're looking for someone to to mend their broken hearts. I think he's the guy. But I don't. Apparently, I don't know anything. So, we'll, we're, for now, Brissette, give him the shot. If it works out well in the first two games, keep him. If not, give Kelly a shot. Don't sleep on the kid. The kid's good. The kid really deserves a starting position. He's not had a turnover all of the preseason. Well, that's 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 a lie. He had two. Two interceptions. One was a missed pass up from a receiver. The other one was mis- was a miscommunication. Otherwise, he's had three touchdowns on so far in preseason. He's completed over 70% of his of his passes. He's been on top of every game. He's been the best in the game. And I absolutely commend him for that and I think that is worthy of a look. They need to take a look at him. Moving on now to Houston and everything going on down there. In a week three game last week, Lamar Miller was running down the field and he got tackled and it was awkward. When you watched him get tackled, you saw his knee bent the wrong way as he landed on it. That was the... Immediate sign that everyone knew that Lamar Miller was, was done. And I feel bad for him. Lamar Miller has been a top five running back in the league. Now, I already know some of you going, Whoa, 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 what are you talking about? What I'm talking about is top five most productive. He has had the, He's gained the most yardage in his span in the NFL than almost every running back in the league. There are only four who are above him, and I think you know who they are. So I'm not even gonna get into that. Losing Lamar Miller is a big thing for the Texans. They needed him. But, they did just trade for Duke Johnson. The running back from Cleveland. I'm not against that. I think he's a great, he's a great idea. It's a great thing to have him on the team. Duke Johnson provides insurance for the Texans. He's a strong runner. He gets, he's a little, slightly elusive. Not as elusive as you think. He's got nice speed, and he's got quick feet. That's, something you, that's most of the stuff you want in a running back. Most of it. You're missing a couple things, but it's fine. It's nothing that you can't overcome. Duke Johnson's a great back, and he was in Cleveland too before they traded. He just didn't want to be there. But is it enough for Houston? I don't know if they should make a trade, really. I don't know if a trade's necessary. I mean, think about it. There are plenty of backs on the market that you could go for. But, honestly, I think Johnson's good on his own. But you do need someone else there. Even if they're not a great back. I mean, the Lions just cut Zach Zenner. And Zenner was not terrible with the Lions. I think he was actually fairly good. I think if you're smart, you go after somebody in the free agents. Like Doug Martin, who just got cut by the Raiders after signing a multi-year contract. And Zach Zenner, those two people mainly are the ones you should be going after. You want to go after backs who were on teams and when they played, they were productive and they did enough. You need somebody that can still be there if something were to happen to Duke Johnson. Cause Duke Johnson isn't the healthiest player in the league. You never know what's going to happen. The NFL is unpredictable. And sometimes when things happen, luck can be ruthless. Things can be ruthless. The game is, the game is tough and you got to be tough to play it. And so when things happen, you got to learn to adjust. This is one of those situations. So they have Duke, but is it enough? Do they need more? My opinion, I think it's enough. I think it is. But still, you want to have an insurance policy with free agents. You want to talk about free agent backs, I could go on a list on and on about free agent running backs. I mean, there's plenty out there. Doug Martin is best known for his time in Tampa Bay before when he was balancing out injuries and everything. But it's nothing to sit there and be like, oh, that that well, that might be a problem, or anything like that along those lines. You do want to think about, though, um, running backs that are productive, that get the yardage you need. That's, the, that's what you need. You need something like that. And, for example, one person who is still on the market that nobody has touched is Jay Ajayi. Jay Ajayi deserves a shot. He deserves it. I think he's the best running back out there right now who has not been signed yet by a team, and it's absolutely disgraceful. Jay Ajayi was a great running back with Miami, and when he got traded to Philly, he was excellent. And I loved him as a running back. I saw a strong future for the kid. But instead, what happens? The Eagles cut it. Now, granted, I'm not going to judge the Eagles for what they did, but at the same time, Jay Ajayi is a great running back and has been productive for most of his career. The only problem is he barely played last year because he tore his ACL. I mean, I know knee injuries can be scary, but he he's ready to go. He's fully healthy now. Why not give him a shot? It's what this what the football world does. In the NFL, they don't take enough shots on players who need a spot or have a chance? Alex Collins, think about that. I mean, I know he's a res- he's still a restricted free agent, but you can still make a deal off with the Ravens to land him. That's possible. TJ Yeldon, think about TJ Yeldon. TJ Yeldon was great with the with the uh, Jaguars before they got Leonard Fournette in there. Keep going. Theo Riddick just got cut by the Lions. He's 28. He's not that old yet. He's still got a couple years left before he hits his peak. Granted, he's not the best running back. But it's still, you want something that they can work with. I can keep going with this. You still got Jeremy Hill out there. I mean, you you got LeGarrette Blunt still. You still got Sheen Vereen. Fozzie Whitaker. I mean, think about this. You're overlooking a lot of running backs who still want their shot. Alfred Blue from the Texans is still out there. I mean, come on. Take a shot on somebody. The free agent market is full of great running backs, and they should not be ignored. And I think they need to pursue them. It's a great option. It's something you can't neglect. If I'm Houston, I'm looking into every possible option right now to protect my guys. And to give us the best shot of winning the division and making a run in the playoffs. And to me, Jay Ajayi is the way to go. Ajayi and Johnson together are going to be amazing. I don't care if you're going to rule him out because he had one ACL injury. Or he's had a history of knee injuries. It doesn't matter. Look at Adrian Peterson. He had a history of injuries and he was out of the league on suspensions. He got cut by the Vikings. He was a journeyman guy at one point until he finally landed in Washington and earned his spot. And he's still producing. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Give these guys a shot. They were great at one point. Who's to say they can't do it again? Let a guy get a shot here. Let Zenner get a shot. Let Martin get a shot. Let any let somebody get a shot. And earn their spot there before you stick to using one running back. That's all I'm saying. Moving on, let's talk about the trading block. I've heard a lot of trading reports and things that are going around. I mean, there was one today involving Nate Hairston getting sent to the Jets in return for a six-round pick. Good trade, in my opinion, for the Jets. They got they get a solid corner. He hasn't really produced much recently due to some injuries he's been dealing with. He's been like an on and off guy. But at the same time, I like Harrison. He's still young. He's got a lot, he's still got a lot ahead of him. You can work with that. And they're trying to fix up that defense down in the Jets. They're trying to make it stronger. And adding him was a great move. Colts, six round pick really. You could have got a little more. You could ask for a little more. But okay, six six pick. Doesn't matter. Six round pick is fine. Here are the main guys on the trading block that I have. Jadavian Clowney, which we all have heard about. He was going to sign a deal with the Texans. He was going to return to camp, finally, and end his holdout. Until he found out that the Texans were looking into trading him. At that point, that's when he fired his agent. And he's still looking for a new one. But I've been hearing rumors he's looking into Miami, and a lot of, and a few other teams. He's actually met with Miami officials already. What I think they'll give up? I don't know. Possibly Kenny Stills? I don't, again, I don't know. All I know is Miami needs something to help out, but at the moment, I don't think that's it. I don't think it's Jadavion Clowney. However, teams that do need Jadavion Clowney, I will get into. Now, the other player on my list is Josh Doxson, the receiver from the Washington Redskins. Now, from what I'm hearing, they're trying to trade him at the moment, and they're going through a lot of offers, but if they can't get a deal done for Doxson then they will release him by the start of the season. So, here are some trade scenarios I have. I have two for each player. Jadavion Clowney's first situation, I have him going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, you guys may be wondering why I'm saying the Eagles. Now, he's listed this as a preferred landing spot. But besides that, I've looked into every possibility of... Teams that could really need, that really need a strong linebacker, defensive end edge rusher. Somebody that can work like that. And I found a team that's missing one piece to make a run. And that was the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, granted, they have a great receiving core and they've got a great defense already. But when you have pieces missing, you want to find a way to fill those void. Now, in my opinion, I think that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to win the division this year. I think they're going to win the NFC East. But in order to solidify that, you need to make sure every position you you have is completely stacked with players that are going to make a difference. So for the Eagles, think about it. You got Alshon Jeffrey. You got Deshaun Jackson and Aguilar just as your receivers. You got Ertz. You got Wentz. You got Miles Sanders, the rookie. Um, Jordan Howard, Darren Sproles, Corey Clement—you got you got you're loaded. I mean, then you look at your defense, and you got Grant Fletcher, Cox, Malik Jackson, and Derek Barnett on the on the defensive line. That's great. And if anything, you could have Clowney work on the right defensive end, or go into the linebacker spot. They got Bradham at middle, and they got Zach Brown on the right outside. But having Gruzier Hill on the inside on the left side. Uh, I don't know. See, I like Groucher Hill. I'm I'm, I got nothing against him. It's just the fact of having someone that's going to make an immediate impact. Hill Hill's going to be good, but you want something that's going to be bigger than that. So, trading for Clowney, you could throw him straight in, and now you've got the most dangerous defense in the NFL right there in your hands. Because then you look at the secondary, you got Malcolm Jenkins, Rodney McLeod, Avante Maddox, and Ronald Darby. You're set. You are absolutely loaded, and you're ready to go. I think for the Eagles, this is a move that makes sense. But what would they give up? Here's what I think. Texans will get a first-round pick, and Nelson Aguilar. Now, already I, hear, I already hear the Eagles fans screaming because they don't want to lose Aguilar because of how good he's been while in his time there. I understand that. But you have a rookie... That's on the rise right now. JJ Arcega Whiteside. And that's somebody you don't want to lose. That kid's incredibly talented. It's surprising he didn't have, he didn't have his great production the first two weeks of the preseason. But after watching him week three, oh, he better start. This kid better start. And trading Aguilar and a first round pick to Clown, for Clowny and a second round pick is enough. I think it's a fair trade for both sides given the talent of Aguilar and given the talent of Clowny. I think it works for both sides because when you're looking at what the Eagles need, only needs one more piece. That's it. They need one more. We look at what the Texans need; they need one more receiver to make an ex- to make a dangerous offense. You know, outside of the run game, which we've already talked about. But on that topic here, the Texans need a lot more than just that. Having Aguilar is going to put in with Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins. That is perfect. All the Texans want is a receiver. They need a, they just need somebody working work in the slot. That's it. And Aguilar works in the slot. Why not? Why wouldn't you do that? That's a perfect move. So Clowny the Eagles seems like the most sensible move here. Otherwise, I have him going to the Jets. Now, why the Jets? You may be thinking. Um, the reason why I have him with the Jets is because it's something I've been hearing a lot of lately, and I didn't think that I didn't think that idea would be great at first. But looking it over, I think the Jets could really go far with this kid. Adding in clowning to the system just adds to how dangerous the Jets' defense is. It, that's, it's just simply put like that, and you just lost Avery Williamson to injury. It only makes sense that you make a move to land somebody like them. So, look at this. you you got a 3-4 system going here. You've got Leonard Williams, you got Steve McClendon and Henry Anderson on your line. You could easily have him take over Anderson's spot or something like that. Or, you put him at the linebacker spots. He's going to want to work as an outside linebacker. So, he could either f- take Copeland's spot if he starts, or really that's it. Because he can't work inside. As inside linebackers, they're already in trouble because they lost Williamson. So it's going to be like Neville Hewitt or Blake Cashman starting. They're right outside linebackers, fine. They've got Jordan Jenkins. They've got nothing to worry about. It's Brandon Copeland that's the issue. Get him in. You get clowny, you're set. You can take care of that. That's no problem. Your only problem then is just the inside linebacker on the right side. That's it. you still got good corners with Daryl Roberts and Tremaine Johnson. And plus, you just got Nate Harrison. Jamal Adams and Marcus May in the safeties, which is great. And you got you got C.J. Mosley at the left inside linebacker. Think about that. C.J. Mosley, Jordan Jenkins, and J- Davion Clowney all in the linebacker system. In the linebacker set. That's beautiful. For the Jets, this is a good move. The only reason why I would say no to this would have to be just for the fact that the Texans want a receiver. For the receiver-wise, the Jets are dealing with Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder, and Quincy Anunwa. I love Anunwa. Don't get me wrong. But here, this is a piece you can trade. He is somebody you can trade. He's the only one they're going to want. Unless they want to go for Robbie Anderson, and the Jets can't afford to let go of Robbie Anderson. So if on the Jets, I give up Anunwa. To the Texans and let him work with Hopkins and everybody. And they give them also a second, third round pick with uh, a number one for Clowney himself. That's it. Now, I do think that the Jets may not need him. But on that same note, we're talking about Jadavion Clowney here. I think it's worthy. He wants, he wanted to stay in Houston, but he doesn't want to now. He wants out. And sending him to the Jets will get him to start and give him a new drive to succeed. And it helps fix a couple holes right there for the Jets. So it makes sense for that trade. On to the second guy here, Josh Doxson. I got two locations here for him, both in the AFC. Josh Doxson to the Broncos. Now, at first, you're usually thinking, why the Broncos? But then you think about it, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Why? Can you name the three receivers that start on the Broncos? I mean, you can get the first two. Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton, and uh, who's that third guy? Man, who is that third guy? Oh, wait. We don't know. Why? Because they don't have anybody to fill that third spot. They need somebody. And adding Josh Doxon going to help a lot. You take him, you throw him into that role, and boom. Now you give Flacco another person on the outside to work for him. I tried to see if I could envision him in a Bronco uniform, and I could. Josh Doxson works. Broncos add a new dimension to the offense to work and take pressure off of Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. And make the Broncos more difficult to face on offense. Especially when you're going with Joe Flacco here. The offensive line ain't great, by the way. I don't like the offensive line one bit for the Broncos. But, nonetheless, we're talking about the receivers here. And Doxon to the Broncos makes sense. They need him. Now, the Skins would get a second round pick, though, for Doxon. Because not a lot of people are going to want Doxon. They're not going to give up a player for him. So as a result, they're probably going to get a pick back. So second round pick, probably. As for the other team, I have Josh Dobson going to the Bills. Now, why the Bills? When you look at the Bills, there's a lot of question marks you, you ask yourself about the receiving court. And one thing I noticed is, who is going to be that third guy? Once again, it's about being that third guy who's going to offer themselves another option for quarterbacks to throw to. Josh Allen last year struggled with receivers who could not hold on to the ball. That's why over the offseason, the Buffalo Bills grabbed in John Brown and Cole Beasley. Because they needed people to to catch the passes and hold on to them. And they're great receivers. But now you have Zay Jones. Now, don't get me wrong. I like Zay Jones. He's a good talent. But he's not Josh Doxson. I think Doxson would do better with the Bills than he would with the Redskins. So sending him to the Bills adds another big man over there at receiver for Josh Allen to throw to So he can, he can easily line up that ball anywhere he wants it. It also makes the Bills more dangerous on offense. You already got Lashawn McCoy and Frank Gore along with Devin Singletary ready there. That's already amazing on its own. Add that to the receivers and you're great. Add that one more guy and you've got an offense. And their offensive line is already good. The Bills are getting better on, on the offensive line. So I got no problem with that either. So this works also for the Buffalo Bills here. They need one more receiver to fill in that spot, and Dachshund fills it. So I think in this situation, the Skins would get a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick because it's more of the Bills don't know what to give, really, and they don't want to give up major picks. So the Skins will definitely take lower picks, but they'll want two of them. So third and fifth would work for Dachshund. They just don't want him on the team. They just want something a little more valuable back. But in this situation, my preferred destination for Dotson is to go to the Bills because the Bills have a better chance of going farther on in the season, of making the playoffs in the Broncos. As great as the Broncos' defense is, the Bills' team is closer to playoff-worthy. Closer. They're a lot closer. They don't have a journeyman quarterback. they got a young guy at the helm. they got a developing team growing every day. And I'm proud to say that the Buffalo Bills are coming back. They're resurging. Slowly, but they're coming back. They're going to try to make the playoffs again. They're going to try. But I don't, I don't know if they'll make it. And that's all the players I have on the trading block. And all the situations. Which now leads into the debate topic of the week! The debate topic of the week. Before I get into it, I want to talk about the comments that I was given... ...on the last one for the Bengals. So, as I promised, the best comments from the Bengal video... ...well, not the Bengal video... ...from the the last podcast... ...the best comments on the post on Instagram... ...or Twitter... ...I would talk about. So, without further ado... ...here are the best comments I got for this week. Now, you guys gave some interesting scenarios here. So, I'm going to go over the three best comments I got on Instagram... The underscore creep underscore chronicles 2 said probably, but it doesn't matter. Plenty of teams need an experienced quarterback, so he'll still be a starter in this league. I agree on that. I think they need an experienced quarterback and that he'll still be a starter for sure. He'll be a starter in the league, but the question is what team will he go to? What team will take on that task of having a 30-year-old quarterback at the helm who has been struggling and having a decrease in production over the last few years? Um, K-I dot six, five, seven, three says, no, they'll draft someone and keep Dalton for 2020, but he won't last past that point. Now I could see that happening, but on the same note here, that would involve a Bengals tank, which I think they will do. I think they're going to fold down, probably get like a top three, top five pick, which gives them a good shot at quarterback. They, if, depending on who goes into the draft class, which could include Tua or Jake Fromm or... Players like Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, they could definitely take a nice quarterback at that spot. Maybe Herbert. I think Herbert would do a good job. But they also have Ryan Finley, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't assume anything right now. And JX Money underscore said, "Please draft a quarterback or beef up the offensive line for him. He's not the worst quarterback, but this team isn't for him." Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I don't think Cincinnati's the spot for him either anymore. I don't think so. And beefing up the O-line, they did. But the guy that they had from Alabama got injured. Jonah Williams got hurt. So now, they're now missing a strong piece at the tackle position. Now, you could draft a QB, which I've been saying. And it's possible. I think it's a good option. You if Depending on this make-or-break year. Depending on it. And losing A.J. Green didn't help him in any way. So, if he has an off year, yeah. Draft a QB. Do it. You need somebody with a high draft pick... To take him out of his job. And that's all I got to say about last week's post on Andy Dalton and the Bengals. So, on top of that now, let's get into this week's debate topic. This week, it's the Titans quarterback battle. Ryan Tannehill versus Marcus Mariota. Now, to a lot of people, this is a surprise. But from all the reports I've been hearing... It is a tightly-knit battle between Tannehill and Mariota. Now, the reason why is because Mariota had a really good year about three years ago when the Titans were in the playoffs, and he made that incredible catch-your-own-pass-and-run-into-the-end zone to beat off the Chiefs when they had Alex Smith still a quarterback. But ever since then, they haven't been the same. He hasn't been the same quarterback they wanted him to be, mainly because of injuries injuries. And he's he's just not making the right decisions. It's a lot like the Winston situation in Tampa. So, they signed Ryan Tannehill as a backup to compete with him from Miami. Through the first three games of the preseason, I want you to try to figure out which quarterback had which stats. 10 for 20. A 50% completion percentage there. For 87 yards... One touchdown and no interceptions, giving you a passer rating of 78.5. The other stat line is 25 for 36 for 276 yards, which adds up to a 69.4% completion percentage. Three touchdowns, no interception, and a 119.7 passer rating. Now, Try to figure out the quarterback here. Was it the first one or the second one? I'll give you three seconds. Okay, time's up. The first quarterback was Marcus Mariota. The second was Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill has outperformed Marcus Mariota over the preseason. I'm watching over the film because I've, before these podcasts, I always watch over all the highlights in film from every single game every single week. So I know where each team stands as the week goes on, so I know where players stand. Mariota is still making the mistakes that Vrabel wants him to fix. And Tannehill has been on the money for most of his stuff. And most of the decisions he's made, his throws, his accuracy, everything, has been on point for Ryan Tannehill. So, it becomes a tough decision here. Are you going to go with the guy who you just got from Miami... Or are you going to stick with your supposed-to-be-franchise quarterback? Right now, for me, I'm taking Ryan Tannehill. I hate to say it, because I've always loved Mariota since he got drafted. Because I wanted to see him succeed coming out of Oregon. I thought he was one of the best dual-direct quarterbacks. Now, I don't see it anymore. I don't, and I hate to say it, because he was such a great talent. Tannehill has been consistent In his time with Miami. He's been good. He's been good. He's done enough to help them. The problem was his injuries got in the way. So, on that note here, Tannehill deserves this spot. It's no longer about what's right. It's, well, more of, it's not about who's the franchise guy. It's more about what is the right decision for my team to win now in the situation we are sitting in? And right now, the best situation is having Ryan Tannehill start. Now, to some it doesn't matter because the offensive line is horrible because Taylor DeWan is a suspension. But otherwise, you still need a right quarterback to lead the team. And Tannehill will be that guy. In my opinion. I'm going to be posting this debate topic starting tomorrow. On Well, this debate topic is going to be posted on Thursday. Feel free to leave your comments. Again, next week I will be reading them. The best ones on my podcast. You may just be featured. So, good luck everyone. And let me know what you think. Don't be afraid to speak your heart's desire. Which now leads me to the final segment. The winners and losers of the week. My winners this week... For the first time, it's a tie. I've got two guys winning this week. Eagles wide receiver J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, the rookie. He holds in eight catches this week on nine targets for 104 yards. 50 of which came after the catch with 19 of those coming after contact. He has not been great over the first two games. He hasn't been targeted much. And when he's been targeted, he hasn't been really able to catch the ball. But this week, he was on his team game. He did everything he could, making the preseason Week 3 Team of the Week, according to Pro Football Focus. He also picked up first three first downs to go with his first trip to the end zone as a pro football player. But, one of the amazing factors I saw at Arcega Whiteside was that he faced press coverage for most of the night on 22 of his 29 receiving snaps. And, he just proved why he was the second best guy against press coverage coming out of the draft next to Andy Isabella. He was incredible and nothing short of amazing. I think they just got another Deshaun Jackson. J.J. Arcega Whiteside is going to be big. If he keeps up, if he keeps doing this, he's going to be incredible. Now, my other winner of the night as in my tie is a little bit of a shock. But I'm giving it to Darius Geich, the running back from Washington. Now, we all know what happened with this tragic story last year. This guy was supposed to be a big name coming out of LSU last year as a rookie. He was supposed to have a phenomenal season. Even had some high odds to win rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year. But unfortunately, they got stopped short. He tore his ACL in the preseason for the Redskins and ended up missing the entire year. Forcing Peterson to have to step up and take over for him. Loma Chris Thompson, Capri Bibbs, Rob Kelly, all those guys. So, in Thursday's game against the Falcons, his first game back, he took 11 carries for 44 yards. It doesn't sound like a lot, but he averaged 4 yards a carry. I mean, watching him play again, and the way he was moving, I started seeing him come back. Now, he doesn't have that same elusiveness he had when he was coming to LSU, but He's going to warm back up into the game and you're going to see him get looser and everything's going to become more fluid. It's all about muscle memory here. He's going to get back to that level he wants to be at. It's going to be no issue. So, this year, the second year back is looking to bounce back. He's looking to shake off that rust and tear up opposing defenses for the Redskins. Which will then add another important dimension to Gruden's offense. Jay Gruden's offense. You can't let new new starter Case Keenum suffer. The Redskins line is not bad. It's pretty good, actually. I'd say about mid-tier. So it does enough. It's solid. Having Geich back is going to help to balance everything out. So now he can make the plays on the outside and give some breathing room for Keenum in the passing game. So that should help out a lot, and I think he's going to be a big factor for the Redskins this year. And now, my loser of the week. Oh my goodness. I never thought I'd be saying this, but I got to go with the Lions. The Detroit Lions are just battling a lot of injuries right now, and it's not even the regular season yet. We still got a week left in the preseason. They deal with a lot of injuries. They just lost Jared Davis, their inside linebacker, to a high ankle sprain, which is better news than what they were than what they thought it was going to be. But either way, he's going to be missing a considerable amount of time during the regular season. He's going to miss a good amount of time. So that's not even it either. Austin Bryant is nursing an arm injury and is going to miss the season as well. This is their defensive tackle. He's supposed to start, so it ain't even over yet. He's going to miss the season opener against the Cardinals. Jermaine Kearse, who they got from the Jets, he broke his leg during the preseason and is now going to miss the entire season. With these injuries now piling up for them, and it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, the Lions have to now resort to using players who don't have the experience to fill those important gaps. I mean, you're talking about your linebackers here, your main linebacker's is guarding the inside, having to go to a second-round pick who a lot of guys are saying is not going to be a great player in the NFL. Jelani Tavai is not ready to start yet. But now he has to be thrown in because of the injuries. There is no way he's going to be able to deal with Kyler Murray in the Cardinals' offense week one. The Cardinals are going to tear up the Lions. I can't. I can't believe I'm saying that, but the Cardinals are going to tear up the Lions. They don't have anything. They're in as the injuries pile up. You're going to lose more people, and you have to use younger guys or not have experienced guys. Guys don't have the same strength, not the same power, not the same drive, not the same fluidity as all these other guys who are starters in this case here when you think about this this is the end for the Lions this season they're in trouble and I think it's over for them that's 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 just it the Lions are in trouble and they're not going to make it they're not going to make it any farther with these injuries I hate to say it but I don't know why Matthew Stafford signed that extension. His talents would have been better somewhere else where they could have used him for better intentions. This is on the Lions here. The Lions made a mistake. And now, they gotta pay for it. They could have made the Super Bowl or made it to the playoffs years ago if they would have made the right decisions. And they didn't. They let Jim Caldwell go too early and took Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia's defensive-minded coach. He wasn't the problem. It was the offense. Jim Caldwell was having a great time. He had a winning record as the Lions' head coach. Yet you're going to let him go because you want a guy who was the coach of the who was one of the coaches on the Patriots. Ooh, great. We all know how that went. So, right now the Lions. You're in trouble. And you need to figure your stuff out. Soon. That concludes the podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at tstatsman and on Instagram at the.sideline.statsman. We'll be coming back with another episode next week with some predictions for awards and records for all the teams in the National Football League. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman. We'll catch you next time. Have a great day, everyone.